Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm glad that you joined us this morning. It's summer, which means we can take some of our family service stuff outside, and so I hope you get to enjoy some of that today. Uh, have a snow cone. Get your picture taken with Dino Mike. By the way, uh, do not eat the yellow snow cones. We do not have lemon-flavored syrup, so <laughs> dad joke. Um, Hey, uh, it is summer, and summer for most of us means barbecues, it means uh, fireworks, which started last night, if you were trying to get any sleep, um, and it also means baseball. Any baseball fans in the room? Anybody like to watch baseball? Yeah. So I don't watch a lot of baseball, I'll be honest. I used to watch more baseball on TV than I do now, but with two kids, it gets a little more hectic. But one of my favorite things that's happening in the entire universe is happening in baseball right now. Take a look at this. It happens, uh, especially when a batter hits his first major league home run. And so uh, this is Richie Schaefer, Tampa Bay Rays a couple years ago, hits his first home run. He's running the bases, get an enthusiastic response from the crowd, uh, enthusiastic response from his coaches as he goes around uh, the baseline. But then watch what happens when he comes into the dugout. I love this. This is one of my favorite things right now. And the Schaefer family celebrates tonight. They huddle up. This is even worse. <laughs> this is classic right here. You gotta love the silent treatment, right? I mean, has something like this ever happened to you where you do something that you think should elicit enthusiasm in response and you get silence? or you don't get the response you expected. Uh, in the text we're gonna look at today, I, I think we're commanded of one way that we're supposed to interact with God and enter into a time of worship. And I wonder sometimes if our response to God uh, in worship looks a little less enthusiastic than he deserves. But we're in the final week of our series called Summer Mixtape, and what we've been doing is looking at some scriptures, and specifically in the Psalms, and seeing what they can teach us about God and what they mean to us. And the Psalms are songs, and they're meant to be not just read, but sung and prayed. And so, frankly, what happens when you read the Psalms sometimes, I've been doing this, I read through uh, the Bible once a year, and in the summer, I always end up in the Psalms, and I'll be reading through a Psalm, and I'll read a line, and I'll start singing it in my head, because it lines up, usually, with a modern worship song, right? Have you ever done that? You read through the Psalms, and you see that, and you, and you say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever, and you start singing Chris Tomlin in your head, because you know that's where that came from, because they're songs. They're meant to be sung. A lot of singers and worship artists are taking words from the Psalm, and so the, the Psalm we're going to read from today is Psalm 100, so if you have your Bibles, you might open it there. You might know this Psalm as the Thanksgiving Psalm. It's the one that uh, somebody in your family reads around the table on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I'm the pastor in my family, so when I go to my parents' house, I always get to read Psalm 100. I always get to pray whenever we go to any get gathering. Uh, maybe if you're the only churchgoer, you get that responsibility when you go to Thanksgiving, but this this psalm is not just about thanksgiving. It really is about a time of worship. And all the psalms are anticipated, they're, they're intended to prepare our hearts and minds to be with God. And so today we're going to read this, and we're going to read it in light of having some instruction and feedback of how we can approach the Lord in worship. But I want to read it from a couple different angles. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these on the floor around you. It's page 416 in this Bible, Psalm 100. That's the NIV. One of the things I often do when I am reading from Scripture and trying to better understand what the Lord's trying to say to me in it is read from a couple different translations. And so I'm going to invite some friends forward that are going to help me with that. Uh, Isabel, uh, Daniel, Addison, you guys come on up to the stage. Give them a hand. I've got some friends that are here to help me. 
We've got three different translations that they're going to read. Daniel, you stand over here. Addison, you stand right there on the end. Isabel, you come over here close to me. I'm going to let you read first. So uh, Isabel is reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. This is Psalm 100. Go ahead. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is who made us. It is he who made us. We are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the gates with thanksgiving, and, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Awesome. Thanks, Isabel. Isabel did that both services for me, so she's really have got a servant's heart this morning. So Daniel is going to read uh, from the message. So Daniel, take it away, bud. On your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God and God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with this password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, taking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Great job. Addie? Addie's got the NIV, the New International Version. This is the one we're going to break down today together. So go ahead. Worship the Lord with gladness. You skipped a line there. Start um, that one. Shout from joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Now that God, the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In his country, his courts, courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for Lord the, for the Lord is God, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continue, continues through all generations. Awesome. Thank you, sweetie. Good job. Three different translations of the same verse. And like I said, that's a, that's a technique I'll sometimes use if I'm really trying to get to the bottom of what the Lord's trying to tell me in a piece of scripture is to read different translations and see how they sound. And uh, sometimes you pick out different words. Uh, I, just, I just mentioned that I read through the Bible once a year, and I read a different translation every year because you can have a tendency to, to know the same words, right? Like if you always read the same translation, you can know the same words and not really get to the heart of the meaning. And so, uh, they, But they all basically say the same thing. Uh, the, this psalm, like others that we've studied in the past few weeks, uh, has some important things to teach us about who God is and about how we can interact with him. Um, because we believe that God wants to have a relationship with us, what do these words have to teach us about the kind of relationship that the Lord desires from us? Uh, how can this psalm encourage us? How can it guide us? I want to show you uh, a couple of things that the Lord says about how we can uh, bring something into worship with, with us, you know, whether it's here in this room or anywhere else that we worship. But first, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this psalm itself. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know who wrote this, this passage of Scripture. We don't know who wrote this psalm. What we do know and what we can see is that their relationship with God was very important to them. 
And that was true for a lot of people in uh, this area of the world in Israel at the time, that um, their relationship with God was very important. And they built a temple in the middle of their city um, that was the place they went to worship. And the temple was where they, uh, where they believed God lived. And so if you wanted to be close to God, what you did was you come to this temple. You go there as often as possible. It represented your time with God. It was a place of worship. So if we want to go into worship, we're going to go to the place of worship in the temple. It's where you went to receive forgiveness. It's where you went to seek guidance, and it was a very special place. And so these words in Psalm 100 should be seen as an invitation. They're an invitation to the people who read them at the time, and they remain an invitation for us now. I mean, even though since Jesus came along, we don't have to go to the temple to worship anymore right? That we are the temple. We are where God lives. The Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Christ, God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so we don't have to, everywhere we go, we can be a worshiper. But these are an invitation to enter into worship. Don't you love being invited to things? I mean, let's be honest. Even if you don't like going to things, you like to be invited, right? If somebody has a wedding, if your friends are getting married, you may not really want to go to the wedding, but don't you want to be invited? Or uh, students, if, if, if your friend's having a graduation party, you want to be invited to that. If, if Kids, if your friend from school or your friend from your team is having a birthday party, you want to be invited to that, right? You don't want to be left out. We love to be invited to things, especially if our other friends will be there, right? And so that's what Psalm 100 is. It's, a, it's an invitation to come and be with God. And so as we start to read, one thing I want to pay special attention to is in verse 1, and it's who is the invitation for? So let's read it, Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So it says, shout to the Lord. Who? Shout to the Lord, all the earth, right? This is for everyone, that everyone is invited. And what are we invited to do? We're invited to worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Now, if we can be honest, just for a minute, sometimes it's hard to come into worship Uh, with gladness, isn't it? It's hard to come in and worship with joyful songs because sometimes our circumstances don't call for gladness. Um, Sometimes you uh, come into a place like this and it's been tough. A relationship just ended. Or maybe it ended a long time ago and you still desire to be in a relationship with somebody and you're lonely and you can't believe that a good God who loves you would allow you to be alone for so long. Or maybe you feel alone because you don't have many friends and you're desperately looking for community and you come to church and you sit by yourself and that's really difficult for you and nobody's reaching out and you don't feel gladness when you come into a place like this. Or, or maybe you feel uh, some, something like a family service even amplifies your hurt because you desperately want a family. You want to be married. Uh, you want to have kids and the Lord hasn't allowed that for you yet. And, um, you know, that's, it's really difficult for you to come in here and worship with gladness, or maybe uh, there's, uh, you know, a health issue in your life or a financial issue in your life or whatever it is that our circumstances don't call for us to be in this place worshiping with gladness. So how can you do that? And some of you have kids, and that makes it even more difficult sometimes because you have to get them ready for church on Sunday mornings. And parents, aren't Sunday mornings sometimes the most difficult mornings? Why is it that I know some of you had a really difficult Sunday morning and Sunday's supposed to be a day, at re- a day of rest and yet you struggle and you fight and you get up, don't get up in time to have a good breakfast and so you slide in the door as soon as the music starts and you gotta grab your coffee and bagel and uh, as soon as those doors are closing over there and then you still gotta get your kids checked into Gen Kids. I mean, not today, but most days. 
and you get here late and you're in a rush and the same kids that you're checking in, gin kids are the kids that you are sure last week they knew how to tie their shoes, but now they don't. They just they forgot somehow, but you're so glad it's summer so you can throw the flip-flops on and get them out the door, right? But, and your son who knows the statistic of every NBA player that's played in the last five years somehow forgets that he's supposed to make his bed every morning, even though you've told him every day for his entire life, right? Let's just be honest. Kids, did you hear any yelling on your way to church this morning? Raise your hand if you... Right. It's tough, right? <laughs> Sunday mornings are tough. And so it's hard if you've had a tough morning to come in here and worship the Lord with gladness, isn't it? It's hard to come before him with joyful songs, but I want to tell you, I want to show you what this looks like from up here on Sunday morning. So we've, we've got a band that comes in, uh, they, they practice their songs all week. They come in on Thursday night, they rehearse for a couple hours. They come in on Sunday morning before you ever woke up and they're rehearsing and they're, they're, they're playing hard and Michael's singing at the top of his lungs and some people are out here in the audience and they've got their hands raised and, and, and that's great. And, and, and then some of us are there with our coffee in our hand with our arms crossed and we're doing this. And I think that, that doesn't look like, maybe you're glad to have your coffee. <laughs> it doesn't look like worshiping the Lord with gladness. And, um, and I know circumstances take all kinds of tolls on us, but the, but, the, but the psalm says we should come before him with gladness. So we should worship him with joyful songs. And some people say, well, I don't sing. I just don't like to sing. But I think that's baloney. Because I think if the right song came on at the right time, like whether it's in your car or when you're taking a shower or maybe at a sporting event, you'd start to sing, wouldn't you? Like, would you start to sing? There's some songs that just make you sing no matter what. Right? See, that's not even part of the song. And you're singing it anyway. So... Everybody can sing. I mean, singing's just like talking, except your voice moves up and down, right? Everybody can sing. And we're all invited to come before the Lord with joyful songs. Everyone's invited to worship him with gladness. But we can't miss the why. We can't miss the why. Why is so important. We can't just accomplish this on weekends. We can't just come in here and sing joyful songs and think, okay, we've accomplished the Lord's purpose. Uh, this is about learning to see God in everything and to worship him in everything that he does and all that you do and all your time in the word and all your time in prayer, uh, whether you're by yourself or with others. Here's the why. Verse three tells us the why. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And that word no, we've talked about that word a lot in here. The, the Greek translation is the word gnosko. It's a word that means to know intimately or to know deeply. Uh, one of the things that was always weird to me about worship music when I was coming to Christ, uh, I'd, I'd sit in a church kind of like this, except bigger, and um, people would get so emotional about this music and they'd be raising their hands and waving their hands and crying or they'd have their head bowed and, and, and they'd close their eyes. And to me, early on in my walk with the Lord, I thought, I don't, I don't get this. I, I don't understand, it's just music. And it wasn't really until I understood this, like the God that we were worshiping, that's when worship in a corporate setting started to make sense to me, that I understood that there's this God who made me and I am his, I am one of his people. Uh, I am the sheep of his pasture. The, the scripture says he is God. 
that's who he is. He's over all things. He's the ruler over all things. He made all things. He made every planet, every mountain, every ocean, every tree, every animal. And the God who made all those things looked at you and said, you are my most precious creation, Psalm 139. He said, you are my favorite creation. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. If you've ever seen a sheep respond to their shepherd, you know that when the shepherd enters the field, they come, the sheep come running to him, right? They come to him for sustenance. They come for, to him for love. If you have a, a dog at home, you know what this is like. We have, a, we have a dog at home, and actually it's not my dog. It's my wife's dog, and you can tell that because when we come home, my dog will come to my side of the car and look at me and then see that my wife's on the other side and will run around to the other side of the car and greet her, right? She's the alpha in our house. There's no doubt about it. My dog loves his owner, his caretaker, his shepherd, right? And the sheep are like that. And that's how we should respond. When God enters a room, enters a place, that we should be so excited to be with him. And we are his sheep and he, are, he, he is our shepherd. Psalm 104 says, Then therefore enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now remember, when these words were being written, uh, people would come to the temple for worship, they were reminded that when you come to the temple, like this is a very important attitude that you can bring with you. You know, I think in the, uh, in the church and in, in America, we've done ourselves a little bit of a disservice by being so casual about worship. I mean, I love being able to preach in jeans and sneakers. It's one of my favorite things about a church like Genesis. I love that people can come and wear shorts and they can wear their football jerseys during football season and you, you can wear sandals in the summer. And you don't have to worry about how you look or how you dress. But I think sometimes that our casual attitude towards dress has carried over into the casual way that we interact with God. And this psalm tells us that we should enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It, it reminded them to come with thanksgiving, to come with this joyfulness. And, and uh, one thing that we have to keep in mind when we read this is that in the Old Testament, the, the very act of worship consisted of bringing a gift before God. You know, if you read the Old Testament, that's what you see in, in Genesis 22 when uh, Abraham and Isaac are marching up the mountain. They, they say to their servants, we're going to go worship the Lord, but they know that they've got to bring a gift. They've got to bring a sacrifice. In Exodus uh, chapter 10, uh, Moses is, well, God is sending plagues on the Egyptians to let the Israelites go free. And he sent a few plagues and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, okay, all right, we've had enough. You can go, your people, but don't take your livestock. And Moses says, no, no, we've got to take our livestock because we're going to go worship the Lord. There is an idea there that they have to bring this gift before the Lord. They have to bring this sacrifice. That's, that's what worship was. And in the book of Ezra, when Ezra was going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, the king gave him gold and silver, uh, in part to bring offerings to God. That the idea of a worship has always been bringing a gift before God. But then Jesus came and Jesus took that away. Like he became our ultimate sacrifice. So we don't have to make a sacrifice anymore when we come in to, to church to worship or whether we're singing in our car to worship or whether we're just gathered with our family and we're worshiping the Lord. We don't have to bring a physical gift or a sacrifice because Jesus paid that price for us. But we can still bring gifts before the Lord when we come to worship. And, and I think there are two gifts that we can see in this passage that we can bring to God when we come into worship. Number one is this. Uh, we've put these in your notes if you want to follow along. Number one is enthusiasm. Just look at some of the words uh, in this psalm. The words that are in there are shout, joy, gladness, joyful, 
praise. And, and, and not just the words, but even look at the way it's written, the punctuation. In, in, the, in the ESV, the English Standard Version, there are six exclamation points in five verses. I mean, that sounds like the author was pretty excited about this idea of coming before the Lord with joyful praise, right? I know uh, Paul Mumal, who's our lead pastor, he's preaching this over at the Noblesville campus. He probably hates that passage because he has this philosophy that you should live your whole life like you only have 10 exclamation points to use. Uh, they use six of them in one chapter here, but, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so exciting. There's so much energy behind this passage. We should bring that same kind of energy no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our station in life. We can bring the gift of enthusiasm to worship the Lord. Why? Well, because he is God. He's our creator. He's our author. He's our shepherd. He is good. And even when life isn't good, God is still good. We can be enthusiastic about the fact that God is good. I love what pastor and author Chuck Swindoll says about this, about our attitude, that we get to choose our attitude. You've probably seen this quote. It's made its way around over the past few years. But he says this, Chuck Swindoll says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. And then he says, the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Enthusiasm is an attitude. Like, we can bring it no matter what's happening in our lives. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you have to be fake. I'm not saying you have to come into this place and when somebody asks you how everything's going, just say, oh, fine. You know, even though in your mind you're thinking everything hurts and I'm dying, right? You don't have to be fake. You don't have to come in and put on a pretty face and pretend. What I'm saying is that even when you're not okay, God is still good. And we can be enthusiastic about the fact whether my circumstances are good or bad right now, God is still good. And we can know that. Enthusiasm is a gift that we can bring to the Lord in worship. The second gift we can bring is thankfulness. You bring thankfulness to the Lord. One of the things that I'm grateful that we've instilled in our girls is that they're very good at saying please and thank you. And they're very good at writing thank you notes uh, when they receive gifts from people. We've taught them the importance of that. And it's not because I wanted them to have impeccable manners. Believe me, they still fart at the dinner table. I mean, they're not perfect. <laughs> but I want them to understand, I want them to develop this sense of gratitude. Like to be thankful when somebody blesses them with a gift, when somebody gives them especially something that they couldn't have gotten or wouldn't have gotten on their own. I want them to know that they can be thankful for that and they should be thankful for that. See, we have a God who, who loves to bless his children. We have a God who loves to say yes. He, he freely gives us forgiveness when we ask. He freely sent his son to die on our behalf. How can we not say thank you each and every time we enter into a conversation with him? You know, what a great habit to learn in your life. Uh, that something that you can, you can do and should do every time. And parents, this is a great uh, disciple-making model for your kids, that when you pray in front of them, the first thing you should do is give thanks to God. 
Um, sometimes when we pray, it becomes kind of a laundry list of things we want to pray for. And honestly, if we don't pray very often, usually the thing that drives us to go before the Lord in prayer is we need something in our lives, right? We're, we're looking for a job. We're looking for healing. We're looking for uh, a relationship to be fixed. Whatever it is, we're looking for something. And so we have that, that ask mentality. We're going to ask the Lord for something. And God wants to hear your asks, he wants to hear your request. He wants to hear the desires of your heart, but take a moment and say thank you for the blessings you do have. Sometimes we come into this place overwhelmed and life has thrown so much stuff at us and that's okay. Like I said, you don't have to be happy all the time. You don't have to pretend, but you can still be down in spirit and be enthusiastic about our God who is good and we are his people and he is our shepherd, right? It's that kind of living that's going to influence your praise. It's, it's your attitude you carry Monday through Saturday that's going to influence how you come into this room on Sunday and how we hear from God when we're together. So two gifts, really quickly, that we can bring before the Lord, enthusiasm and thankfulness, you can bring to the Lord in worship. So why is that important? Well, because we all have something to be thankful for. If nothing else, we can find our reason in verse 5. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He is good. He doesn't just do good. He doesn't just give good gifts or bring good things. That He is good. It's his character. And his love endures. That no matter what you're going through, no matter how badly you've messed up, or no matter how much you're hurting, he is love. And his love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues through all the generations. And this verse has really spoken to me this week. And parents, I hope it speaks to you because I got to tell you, being a parent is hard. It's hard work. And we're going to mess up. And we're going to do things that we think are going to scar our kids for life but the Lord says, no, I am good, and my faithfulness continues through the generation. His faithfulness is not just for us. It's for all the generations that follow us. And one of the reasons we do family services is to introduce our kids to this God who loves them and whose faithfulness continues throughout the generations. He, we, we don't always know what he's up to, but he's always up to something, and he's always faithful. And this is important to remember because worship isn't just about music. We, we think about that when we come in this room that, oh, I love the worship this morning. But the whole service is worship. Like, the, you know, reading the word is an act of worship. Praying together is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. It's all worship. But worship isn't even just about this room or about this building or even about this church. Worship is something we can do anytime, anywhere. In fact, it's a lifestyle. It's something we should practice wherever we go. I, I got to tell you, our 21st century culture has made it pretty easy to separate who we are on Sundays from what we do the rest of the week. And as somebody who came to Christ relatively late in life, it, it's weird for me to see how we can come into this room or into GSM on Sunday nights or into our Gen Kids room and we can, we can hear the word and we can sing these words and we can pray and we can agree together on Sundays. And then throughout the week, it doesn't really affect how we talk or what we watch or what we listen to or how we act or how we love people. But, but a lifestyle of worship is different. A lifestyle of worship says that whatever I do, wherever I go, whether it's school or work or home or to the game or to the bar or to the office or in bed, that there is a good God who loves me, who created me, who shepherds me. He is good and he is faithful throughout the generations and he is worthy of receiving my praise and my worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, 
we just come before you and declare that you are worthy. You are good. Your faithfulness continues throughout the generations. And Lord, sometimes we don't see that immediately in front of our face. We don't understand because our circumstances are bad that you are good. But Lord, I just ask that you would help us to remember that today and this week as we leave this place, that that you are good. You can be trusted. You can be counted on. That that your uh, love endures forever. And God, as we will celebrate that today in worship through song, and I'm going to celebrate that today in worship as we leave this place. We praise you and we thank you that you are worthy of receiving our praise. Pray these things in Jesus.